Welcome to another episode of Soul Feeling, where you get your soul fed. I'm Tiffany, and I know it sounded real weak because I usually have two more people with me. <laughs> um, but we have like one of the most amazing is a person ever. Like Shan, I don't know if you know this, but I'm a super fan, and I'm like trying not to freak out. No, you're doing a great job, <laughs> and we could have practiced the beginnings that we did together. Oh, we could. So could have, but I, I think it's different. Like, those are your two homies, so like yes. there's something always missing if they're not here. Yes, they're they're like you got this girl. Like when I told them about the interview, Shan Boudram, like I'm just so happy to be here. But okay, so a little bit about Shan. She is a sexologist. She is a dating expert. She is an author. She's a writer. She's a host. She is just an amazing YouTuber. I like literally watch all of your YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like amazing. And she's just a down to earth chick. She's non judgmental. She's very open. And I just I'm very grateful for you. Like your YouTube videos have helped me be more productive. Help me be able to find myself and just your openness about everything. So she's not like just a sexologist, even though she's an expert at this stuff, but she really like lets us into her life. And I'm just so grateful. No, thank This is an awesome suit. I, I didn't actually oh. like compliment how beautiful this is. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> mm. Honestly, this is like, that, was, that intro was so hard to live up to. Like imagine I'm just gonna go into like an hour of like pro-Trump campaigning and yes. everything that you've said has been like, and never mind, she's actually <laughs> an awful person in your life no um. <laughs> no not at all. but you do have a new book out it's been out for a while the game of desire yes and it, i mean i could tell the people about it but just tell me how this came about why did you want to write about the game of desire because i've been single for five years and i was like i need to be one of those girls <laughs> in her boot camp 100 that's exactly why yeah. i wrote my first book late in 2009 mm -hmm. and that book was written because i had a really awful teen sex life mm -hmm. and i was looking for a resource that the 18 year old version of me would have picked up mm -hmm. and would have actually learned something from and become a better person from and i knew myself at that time would not have picked up the kinsey institute book mm -hmm. or would not have picked up masters and johnson um they would have gone for something interesting salacious exciting with real people real stories and people who i felt I could relate to right. and so 10 years later when i wanted to write a book about dating that was for the version of me mm -hmm. who was single for years on end yeah. and who did enter into relationships that were not the healthiest for me when i thought about that person i'm like okay what what would shan have picked up you know eight years ago right. she, would she have picked up how to get the guy probably mm -hmm. not would she have picked up hey you're single and it's a struggle for you so read this book because you need it <laughs> yeah but i might have picked up a story about real women mm -hmm their journeys, their experiences, and what they learned along the way. And so right. this book was written for me. Mm -hmm. um, it was written for people who maybe aren't accustomed to picking up dating books per se, yeah. but this book to me is so much more than a dating book. It's a book about making intimacy your superpower. And it's how I took six women who felt left out 
of the connection narrative mm -hmm. and how I put them in the driver's seat of not just their love lives, but their intimate lives in general. Mm -hmm. And it's a real story. So whether you want to read it, because it's interesting to see what happens when six strangers get together mm -hmm. and force a relationship in a really unconventional way. Mm -hmm. um, or if you want to read it for the tips, I think it's got something for everybody. It definitely does. I wanted to ask, how did you even come up with this concept? Because when I started reading it, I was like, this is different than any book I've ever read in my life. And I read a lot of books, but I'm like, okay, wow, this is so different and it's such a journey. So how did you come up with this concept of having basically a love relationship boot camp? Yeah, it was, I mean, YouTube, really. You know, you read your YouTube comments and you see like, well, this could work for you, but you have got... Uh, preference in the dating world because of your the way that you look or maybe this worked for that person but they're white or this person's mm -hmm. skinny or this person's that so everyone's always looking for ways to discount how information can apply to them and I didn't want that I didn't want people to read this book and say this isn't for me and so it was important to show not just the information the stats the studies behind it but how it actually worked on real people yeah. and real people from all kinds of backgrounds all kinds of body types all kinds of um, just even dating flaws. Mm -hmm. So diversity was so, so important to me because I didn't want anyone to cancel themselves out. Right. This is so good. Um, can you do another round so I could be in it? No, I'm just yes. Well, I mean, the book literally does break it down for you so you can do it by yourself anyways. And I actually went on a date yesterday. <gasps> Congratulations. I did, girl. Was it fun? It was fun. And I, I actually did use... Um, a lot of your methods <laughs> but um it was great so i actually did use vabbing <gasps> wow i said uh, i have to do this because i'm about to interview her yes. tomorrow and girl when i said this man was all over my neck really <laughs> girl i was like oh my god like he's getting so close he was just like well i just want to bite you i just want to kiss you i'm like i was like oh you're a little too pushy but i'm like i maybe need to calm down on the vabbing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but can you explain? I know that was like one of the big headlines is like that being you got some backlash, but I think it's an amazing thing, like the science behind it and how you were just saying like it's really the belief that something works. A hundred percent. So vabbing is taking your vaginal fluids um directly from the source, like mm -hmm. from the Bartholin gland, the opening of your vag of your vagina and applying that like you would apply perfume. Mm -hmm. So you'd apply it to your neck, anywhere that distributes heat in your body, so like your pressure points. Um, also your hands, because you talk with your hands as mm -hmm. well too. And that's it, it's vaginal fluid <laughs> as perfume. Yes. And it, it, I think a lot of people had a really big, I think people have a big reaction to it. Mm -hmm. I didn't think it would be as big <laughs> as it was, but yeah. I'm, I'm actually um, really, really humbled. I think it's so cool that you tried mm -hmm. it. Yeah. And I think that exactly what you just said is true. Like the main thing with babbling is there is no scientific proof because mm -hmm. to smell a pheromone, it takes a certain part of the brain that mm -hmm. humans don't have developed in the same way that other animals do. Right. So for example, dogs, when they meet each other, they just sniff booty right mm -hmm. away. They do. Like that's how they collect so much information is yeah. through another animal's pheromones where we don't really do that. We don't collect information about mm -hmm. someone else's DNA the same way through our sense of smell. Yeah. So there's like a lot of scientific proof that says that we don't respond to pheromones in the same way that other animals do. And there's some scientific proof that says there might be. Yeah. And so we're kind of going off of the might be, mm -hmm. but more than anything else, I think if it just gives you an excuse to be bold, mm -hmm. try something different, and an experiment always makes something a bit more fun. Yeah, it really does. 
And I, I don't know, it's something just very powerful about doing that. Because, I mean, honestly, I don't know who else does this. Like, in the shower, I always smell myself. Like, yeah. like okay, how's it doing down there? So I was like, okay, I don't know. I feel like the vagina is very powerful. So to put my juices, oh, my God, my soulmates are going to be like, what are you talking about, girl? But they know I'm crazy. But um, to put my juices on my skin, I just felt really powerful. And it makes sense. You know, it makes sense, like, that it would attract people to you because, I mean, men be down there anyways. Well, like, that's the whole you thing. Know? Like, you know, in movies, like, dudes do this to each other mm-hmm. if they, after they've been with a woman. Yeah. Because, like, that smell is wonderful. Like, men pay for women's used underwear. Yeah. I, I've had so many offers in my DMs for people to, like, buy my underwear or my socks. Okay, that's um, weird. So many is wrong. Yeah, a couple. <laughs> but nonetheless, I think that, yeah, like, we do. We are attracted to the smells of bodies. I think that yeah. consumerism tells us that you have to overcorrect. Mm-hmm. Like, your natural scent is awful. Put on deodorant. Yeah. Use this soap. Use this body cream. Use this perfume. Use this hairspray. And it's just like, what's so disgusting about mm-hmm. our bodies? Yeah, seriously. And even, like, vaginas in particularly, it's just, like, even, like, our periods, all this stuff. I mean, it's not a nasty thing when you think about it. It's just who we are and a part of us. Um, but, like, in the beginning, well, throughout the entire book, you tap onto basically a lot of the inner work before you even get into the actual tips. <laughs> yeah, into the, into the that. That is, like, further down the line. All these experiments are further down the line. But I really appreciate that first you made sure people were good, your girls were good with themselves on the inside. So if you could talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, like I think anything in life, you have to start with the foundation. You have to know your strengths, your weaknesses. You have to work on the basics and you have to know who you are. You know, if you wanted to become a great basketball player, you wouldn't Mm -hmm. start by doing like a behind the back dunk. Mm -hmm. You have to start with dribbling. You got to start with foot control and footwork and adrenaline. You have to start, not adrenaline, what's the one I'm looking for? (laughs) Endurance. Yes. Um, You got to start with the basic training to Mm -hmm. get yourself the foundational support that you can add those tips on top of it. Yeah. I think where, what usually happens, I think, with men and women dating books is that women dating books are all theory and ideas and messages. Like, Mm -hmm. be your best self, love yourself, embrace your bitch, embrace your crude, um, use the, you know, embrace your your inner goddess. And it's just like, those are all like theoretical things, which are great. Mm -hmm. And I think what men, sex, and dating books do is it's all tips. So it's all like, do this, this, that, and the third. But like, Mm -hmm. it's the two together that really make the biggest impact. You have to really do the self-work, know yourself, find out what your mantra is, find out what your purpose is, Mm -hmm. um, and lead with that first. And that also takes knowing what you're not good at, Mm -hmm. you know, where your weak areas are. And then once you've done that and developed a strong foundation, now we can do tips Mm -hmm. and experiments. Now we can try different strategies. And so those two combined, I think, make the perfect recipe for true self-development. Yeah. And you know what? I didn't really even think about, there's so many men, like relationship books, and we read them and they're good and everything. But maybe the reason why I resonated so much with yours is because it is from a woman. I'm so used to actually reading relationship books based off of like a man's perspective. That's fascinating. I actually don't yeah. know about, I know a couple. Really? Yeah. Like what are some ones that you... Like Steve Harvey's oh, The Regular. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> or, or even on, um, on YouTube or something. Even like uh, we were talking about the roommates earlier. They give like dating advice and stuff like that. And so it's just like, I'm just glad to see like more women actually saying like, I've been through this, this is what you should do. Because no one's in our shoes until they're in our shoes. A hundred percent. Yeah. And it is different. I mean, I think my next book, 
Yes, girl. Into the universe it goes. And in Good. my next book, um, it took me 10 years to write this one. I really hope I'm not on the same trajectory. I hope <laughs> this one is way sooner than that. But I think I would want to include men and women's perspectives. Mm -hmm. I think I really just honed in on women for this one. Yes. But there's so much we can learn from each other. There is. Oh, my God. I love that you say that because um, that's kind of what Soul Feeling is about, especially when we do our live shows. Our next live show, this is exclusive. I really want to tackle self-love but from both both black men oh, okay our audience is mostly black black men and black women just so that we could hear each other out to see like okay these are my insecurities and also as a black man what are your insecurities and yes. how can we help each other because you're right it shouldn't be i mean it can't it's okay to be one-sided sometimes but to come together to get a full perspective of everybody that's really going to help us grow. So I can't wait till your book comes out. Honestly, like, you're I can't so wait till your tour happens. At, okay. <laughs> See? That's what I'm talking about. That's on, like, the to-do list. Like, you got to come out. <laughs> that's just going to be amazing. We're going to stop in L.A. And we're going to have Shan Booty. <laughs> but, um, yeah, spit it out there. But, yeah. What I love when you first opened up with the girls, you were talking about managing expectations. And I realized that's something that I need to do more of because I kind of think that everybody already knows what I want or why don't you know, like, not to treat me this way? Like, why wouldn't you know this? And I like with how you manage expectations with the girls. And this is like where you could do in any type of relationship. It's basically say like, you're like, ah, I don't care if you really do the, like you care if they do the worksheets and stuff like that, but I more so want you to communicate where you're at so how did you come up with that or what experiences have you gone through to make you realize like oh I gotta manage this expectation yeah I, like I said in the book that like conflict is going to happen right like conflict is a natural part of life you mm -hmm. have 20x years of being you on this planet the way that you have learned through your upbringing etc etc I have 30x years in this planet and so the likelihood that we're going to align on everything that what seems common sense to me will be common to you is pretty slim when you look at it from that vantage point. Mm -hmm. So all the assumptions that we make of people should just know, it's like, how could they? They haven't lived life in your shoes and yeah. so people aren't going to know unless you educate them. And so conflict is going to happen just by virtue of the fact that we're different people trying to share one relationship. And so if you know that there's only two ways conflict can happen mm -hmm. externally or internally. Either I can address something with you and like have that awkward moment of saying like you were on time today. But mm -hmm. if it was like, Hey, just so you know, like it's very important for people to keep their time appointments with me because I've got back to back stuff. Right. right? If I could say that, or I could say nothing and then be like, Oh, they came late and I'm stressed out and da, da, da. and yeah. then this entire time you're relaxed you're mm -hmm. comfortable because you're just doing you but internally I'm super stressed mm -hmm. out um so it's like it's gonna happen regardless and the only way to make sure it doesn't happen repeatedly is by voicing it to somebody else yeah because you're it's not gonna go away I don't think conflict ever stops it never just disappears and if something yeah. bothers you more than likely it's not like with repeated exposure you'll start tolerating it more mm -hmm. if anything it'll start to create like um a resentment so I just think it's yeah, one of those definitely. things where if you acknowledge that look not saying anything is not gonna make the conflict go away it's just mm -hmm. gonna make it 100% on me and yeah. I don't want to live a life like that you're totally right and the reason why I was looking at you like that because I'm like that's something I really have to deal with because I do not like confrontation at all but also you know if I don't speak up if I don't say something 
it's like toxic in my own body and you can literally feel it like feeling anxiousness you're mad at the person they don't even know you're mad at them it's like why are you mad um but just having the courage to just tell someone like this is what i want or this is what i i didn't like but i love like it's about perspectives because, of course, like, how are they supposed to know they did something wrong if you didn't tell them? And, uh, and on the flip side, something right. You know, what's yeah. interesting, I was doing something the other day where somebody okay. said, like, communication is often seen as negative. Like, when we give the advice yeah. of, like, you have to communicate in relationships, you got to communicate in the bedroom, people mm-hmm. hear that and they say, when I don't like something, I have to tell somebody. It's like, yes. But when you do like something, mm-hmm. you should also communicate. Yeah. When someone did something really great, like, when they showed up on time mm-hmm. and say thank you so much for honoring the time commitment. I know yeah. you're super busy and LA is hella hard to get around. <laughs> I really appreciate that you did that yeah. because that also tells that person that oh she values um, someone being on time. You know if somebody comes up on a date and they pay the bill, even saying like you know what you didn't have to do that, but I really that's really really sweet of you. Mm-hmm. That is just as important as saying to the person you know I kind of thought that you'd pick up the bill this time because I picked it up last time. Ooh. Yeah, that's so much better to say that. I totally agree with that. And I hate to go back to the negative part, but I was talking to my mom about this. Because like I was telling you earlier, we had a live show about two weeks ago. And with planning an event, you know, you have to literally be really detailed on the things that you want. Like what you want the volunteers to do, what you want the host to do, what you want the DJ to do. And being that we're all women and we're pretty much like, very super nice people we don't always vocalize exactly if something's going wrong and the way my mom brought it to me when i was like telling her about it she was just saying and i was saying i was doing a disservice to them because i didn't tell them and now i have a feeling towards them because i didn't tell them this certain thing but then she flipped it on me she's like no you're doing a disservice to yourself because you're putting all this money into this event and by you not telling them is doing a disservice to you. They, they're they okay and all going on being happy. But you didn't have the turnout, even though it was amazing, that you really wanted. And I was like, dang. You know, a lot of times I think as women or as anybody that we put ourselves last and we're just trying to make sure everyone else is good, that we don't think, okay, how am I being a disservice to myself? So I was like, dang. So, you know, mom was always right. I was yeah, always trying to hear yeah. her out. I was like... Because I think I know everything, but she really, like, helped me out <laughs> on that part. But um, you talk about attachment theory, and I heard you on the Friend Zone podcast. Obviously, you know that I t- <laughs> listen to a lot of podcasts. And- Which is amazing. Yes, I do. I was- and the Friend Zone podcast is amazing. Shout out to Hey Friend. Hey, another person that's, like, amazing in my mind. Um, Mine too. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Everything. Everybody just did. Everyone. So, um talk about attachment theory and I took the test twice and the funny thing is in my office um I work for a company called Be Busy Inc. We do free HIV testing, syphilis testing um and I do their social media and so I'm in a room with four other people like months ago we all did your attachment theory test we all did the commitment test we all did the what turns you on test we do do our work as well but it was so funny to see how everybody's different um results were but i like that you're able to even with this book you're able to go along with worksheets and take these tests to figure out your your inner works what made you do that what what made you add on that point you need it like i mean it's so important and going back to sort of like that you're talking about at the event Mm -hmm. the disservice that happens on both ends like communication is so important because it empowers you 
And when someone feels empowered, they feel good. So if I can tell you exactly what it is that I want, you're like, great, I know how to love Shannon. Boom. Yeah. And I feel amazing because I know I can do something great for you. And then I feel good because I get what I want in return. And so communication has to be twofold, right? And what I love about love languages, for example, I think it's the first time that the closest thing we've come to having universal language around intimacy. And we don't learn about love in school. We don't learn emotional intelligence in school. Of course, we learn nothing about sex. And so nothing. There's not a lot of like language that we can all understand. Mm -hmm. And so when we're trying to communicate really important things about what we need in life, we don't have the words for them, which is why I think quizzes are really important. Mm -hmm. Because now it's like, you have a word for yours, mm -hmm. I have a word for mine. And if we can both sort of understand each other's words, that's just so much more power. And I love that you do these quizzes in groups because mm -hmm. that's really important to acknowledge that, oh damn, I thought everybody would be a modern monogamous. <laughs> Yes. You know, I thought everybody would be securely attached like mm -hmm. me. I thought everybody's love language was words of affirmation. Right. And you're like, no, aha moment. Like, what really fuels me might be different from what really fuels somebody else. And yeah. that just really, really reinforces why communication, again, is so massively important. But with communication, it's one thing to know that we have to talk. Mm -hmm. It's a completely separate other skill to say, here's what we should talk about. Because mm -hmm. I think it's like, you tell people all the time, like you have to communicate in relationships. And yet again, yeah. we don't give them the tools or the jump off points to have these important dialogues. And so yeah. the quizzes are meant to be that sparking off point. It is a sparking point because even when we were doing it in our group setting, it was really fun because it's funny too because we're like, oh, you're for sure going to get this. And it was like, wait, you're not even that person. So it's really good to figure out other people so that you know how to treat them. And I was actually talking to my Uber driver on the way to the airport when I was coming to LA. I love Uber drivers because they just talk about everything with you. Like they tell their, you their whole life story, you tell them your whole life story. I'm like, do I need to be an Uber driver and just put a camera yeah. there? <laughs> and we have like Uber stories. Oh, that's good. But um, but she was telling me about like her husband and <laughs> she was telling me like, how it's not working out. She's like, I love him and stuff like that, but he just doesn't understand. And I did bring up like the five love languages. I was like, cause she's like, he keeps showering me with gifts when we're upset, but all I really want is him to tell me like, I'm enough, like I'm good, like that I would rather have a love note written instead of a diamond ring. And I was like, well, maybe he doesn't know your love languages. Like the five, have you ever, ever heard of the five love languages? And she was like, no. And so we talked about that, but it's just very important for you to know your love language and to, so that you can love someone, you can know someone else's love language so you can love them the way they want to be loved. Yes. Yeah. So. I'm learning out here and I'm at a point in my life that I'm like dating. I'm 27 and I do want a husband, but also I just feel like I also want to have fun. Yeah. So with that, I get a little confused. I feel like you're my therapist right now. I'm like, I'm telling you everything. Um, I feel a little confused on like, they were like, okay, so what do you really want? I was like, yeah, I want a husband. But meanwhile, while I'm trying to meet him, some people I just want to have fun with. How do I go about that? Because I know in one of the chapters you were talking about, who do you want to be with? Like, do you want to, um, I forget what it's called, like someone to finance you, someone yes. to just hang out with, just want, or someone who's like your soulmate, lifelong partner. And for me, I feel like, you know, I'm cool. I do want a long life partner. I do want a husband, but I also, meanwhile, I want to have fun. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a 
not dissimilar from where a lot of people are at your age mm -hmm. job wise yeah where you're like look like i would love to have my forever job right now but ultimately too i'm getting to know myself and yeah. i don't mind having a full-time job a part-time job and a side hustle mm -hmm. and through all these experiences i'm actually growing and making myself a better fit whenever i do if i ever do find that mm -hmm. one lifelong position that i want to be in for 40 plus years right. um so i think that that sort of approach of every experience as long as i'm curating these experiences i'm a really big fan of when people are like well you know every experience teaches us something and every experience i don't regret anything because i learned mm -hmm. it made me who i am today mm -hmm. there's definitely experiences that i regret yeah. there are relationships that i participated in that didn't move me forward mm -hmm. they actually pushed me back five years in wow. terms of self-discovery and coming out of that relationship it wasn't like now i can move on to my next great thing I actually had to rediscover who I was. Yeah. It's like you take on that job that drains you, that it's awful, you have a toxic boss, and when you leave that, you didn't gain any of the skills that you need towards the actual career that you dream yeah. of. And if anything, now you have to go to therapy to try to heal from some of the trauma that happened there. Mm -hmm. So I'm not a fan of like, we'll just go for it because every experience has value. Like there's mm -hmm. just some things in life you can learn from reading. Yeah. You don't have to like, you know, have your money stolen to realize yeah. you don't want your money stolen. Yeah, I yeah. don't want that. <laughs> I, don't, I didn't need to experience that mm -hmm. to recognize I wouldn't have wanted that for myself. <laughs> yeah. But I That's think so true. if you're curating the experiences and you're true to what you need, mm -hmm based on knowing who you are you mm -hmm. do the workbook and that's why the order is there from the book mm -hmm. right you got to know who you are know what experience they're going to bring up the best in you and if you find a romantic partner that does just that even if they're only for two days you'll still leave that situation and be a little better off yeah so i feel like as long as you have that in the forefront of your mind i just want to be a little bit better off through each person i connect with mm -hmm. if that leads you to your your best romantic partner great but as you know, in the book, my suggestion is opening up different job postings yeah. for each role you're looking for. Mm. Because then it becomes also too, like if you meet somebody and you know in your mind, yeah, I would love a long time, long term partner, but I also wouldn't mind somebody who is um, a church buddy right. that I actually make out with or whatever mm -hmm. the actual stipulation is for that. Or I wouldn't mind somebody who's a travel buddy. So if I'm on a date with somebody, I'm not looking at them only through the lens of, is this my person? Right. I'm also like, Oh yeah, I also want a church buddy. I yeah. actually don't see them as my person, but I do see them as a good church buddy candidate. Mm -hmm. Let me manage expectations now to see if they would also be in line with that role. And that's the part, I think that's the part where I trip up at is managing those expectations because I don't know, I'm always like, um, we'll just see. <laughs> like, we'll see, maybe you are, maybe even though I don't think you're my person, maybe you're, you are. <laughs> my person so I'm like okay let's just have fun and I'm like how do I vocalize I just want a friend to have fun with and occasionally kiss and cuddle yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think just that oh okay I think that the, that's fine you know if you're just like at this present time in my life I'm traveling a lot mm -hmm. I have a really big growing business we're going mm -hmm. on tour I don't see I want a long-term partner eventually but I can't see how right now maybe our schedules would fit to align with that right. but I love spending time with you I think you're really great I think your lips are hella hot I would like to kiss them yeah um, but I'm not at this present time saying that's gonna lead to something further right now I'm open to having this dialogue constantly you know mm -hmm. what I mean like I married my friends a benefit yeah so that's exactly what happened with he and I we're mm -hmm. in that we created a rule for each other and said, this is the capacity in which I'm willing to partner with you. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything else other than like, this is uh, like, see you at 9 p.m. <laughs> yes. If I leave at 10.30, don't mm -hmm. get offended. 
And then through us successfully doing that relationship over a few months, we started to expand the connection and then we evolved the conversation. So nothing is forever, but at least people know. Just like when you get a job Mm -hmm. at a company and you come in as a junior assistant, that's not like for the rest of your life. Right. You could get promoted. You could not. Yeah. But that's the risk that you're taking when you say yes to that position. But at least they were honest. They Mm -hmm. didn't hire you on and say, give you no role at all. But of course, you're just a junior assistant. Yeah. So I think it's just like the, that communication, it brings up the best in others too because what makes people act crazy is inconsistency. You know, nothing creates an addiction like an inconsistent reward or inconsistent yeah. communication. Yeah. So if you want to bring out the best in others, sometimes saying not the nicest things can actually aid them in, in a lot of ways. Wow. I never thought about that, especially the inconsistencies. Like, why do we want the guy who's never text back right <laughs> like why like and they always text and then they go away they meet you somewhere and then they'll go away and then i'm like but for myself i don't really care right now at that moment because i am at that space where i was like okay i'm just gonna have fun anyways and you can manage expectations around what they're offering you mm-hmm. you know what i mean like once you i think that once you can acknowledge that somebody is offering you just whatever it is i think the thing that happens a lot too is that people they confuse hope with what's been said. Mm-hmm. So if someone says, I'm not looking for a relationship, and they act in, in a, I'm not looking for a relationship manner, but then once in a while, they might give somebody a little bit more. They start to like use that as a way to say, well, they're confusing me. Where it's like, they, they kind of communicated to you very clearly mm-hmm. what the boundaries are. And then maybe they've given you a couple of hope strings along the way. But if right. you can really assess and be honest about what it is, you'll be happier and you'll be mm-hmm. happier in that connection or happy to leave it alone. Yeah, that's good. It's like a lot of people do actually tell you exactly what they want. Do you tell people exactly what you want? No. No? <laughs> I do and I don't. Because, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm more, maybe I'm passive aggressive. Um, actually, I do tell people what I want. Like, this one guy, I feel like I'm talking to a lot of guys. <laughs> like, who's listening, though? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, there's one guy I've been talking to, and I told him straight up what I'm looking for is consistency. And he was super, super consistent, and then he wasn't consistent anymore. So I just took that as, all right, then you don't want to really be with me if you you can't be consistent because I clearly told you what I wanted. And then other people, I don't literally vocalize it. It's just like, I just act that way, like, like we're just friends, or, oh, you want to hang out, or... You know, something like that. I don't be like, I'm trying to be your wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, you know what it is? I actually tweeted this yesterday that I don't like fast friends. Mm-hmm. And I also have learned or learned not to like fast relationships either. Yeah. Like, how do you go into getting to know somebody with the intention of this ultimate role they're going to be? Thank like, there's you. so many steps between now and marriage. Mm-hmm. There's so much of you that I don't know yet. Yeah. So, like, how can I slot you into a role that's so aspirational? Right. Like, I just, I wouldn't hire someone onto my company to be yeah. a CEO. I'd probably have them first as a supervisor, see how they meshed with yeah. the people, see so how people responded to them, see how I felt they understood my messaging and like there's so much to know about somebody before you're like that's my husband or that's my wife right so i think that that's one of those things where we start connecting and we define what it is that we want right now Mm -hmm. which maybe it's like yeah i'm only dating exclusively like three people and Mm -hmm. i'm with all in mind of potentially partnering with one of them Mm -hmm. in as a long-term relationship right um and we'll see where it goes 
I totally agree with that. And I didn't look at it like that, but I think a lot of us do be like, okay, where's that one? Are you my husband? No, you're not my husband. Let me move on. Like, and I've been that way. <laughs> but yeah, I just totally And again, we don't that. do that with jobs. We don't do that. Right. With jobs. We accept that the job process is slow and that we're going to take on a job that's good for us where we are right now. Mm-hmm. And maybe in two years might say, you know what, this actually is my dream job. Yeah. But we're never, we still have this process of, I have a long life to live. And so every job is just an opportunity for me to exercise what I know and learn a little bit more. And I'll figure out how I feel as the job process unfolds. But I don't go into every situation being like, this is the one, right? Right. Yeah, that's so true. And then another thing that I've been thinking about is also dating within your circle or like working circle, which I found a little weird because I'm like, oh, I actually like this person and I want to work with them forever. So like if I start dating them, that's weird. And what if we start hating each other, but I still want you to perform at my open show? Like, yeah. I'm like, at my live show. So I'm like very careful with even jumping into like saying dating, even though we might just hang out together. Have you ever had that situation where you're, or, or do you stay out of that situation? I mean, I know you're married now, but in the past, have you ever dated someone who you like work with or who's who you would like to work with those in your circle. Yeah, it's natural. The mm-hmm. number one determinant of if people are going to connect is proximity. Yeah. So that just means the more time you spend around somebody, the more likely you are to form a romantic interest in them. Mm-hmm. So by virtue of that, if you're working with somebody, like it's natural that yeah. you might be like, okay, like, yeah, you know, I've gotten to know you slowly. That exam, that, that exploration, exploration process has been organic or forced because mm-hmm. we're paid to hang out, I guess, mm-hmm. in some ways. So I think that it's natural to happen. Um, but yeah, I think you made a great point that you have to keep an eye out to be like, okay, is this actually a good healthy choice for me? Or is yeah. this something that I'm doing just because we're spending a lot of time together? Right. And also risk assessing that, yes, if this goes wrong, will this make things awkward? Um, and what have I noticed about this person's personality that makes me believe that they would be capable of being cordial afterwards or not be capable? Yeah. So I think that it's just a matter of, you know, I I'm a big fan of, love happening and love being the ultimate goal of life. Mm -hmm. Like I am a person who very rarely believes that people should date or can date their friends' exes. Mm, Yeah. If you really see a strong connection with somebody and at the end of the day, if you and me are best friends, Mm -hmm. it's likely that we're going to get along with the same kinds of people. Yeah. So the person that you choose a romantic partner might also be of interest to me. Mm -hmm. And so if I see a long-term future with your ex, and it really is a strong bond. Like, why would you want to get in the way of love? Yeah. But that's, like, not a popular opinion, but... That's really interesting um, that you say that. Because I was listening to The Friend Zone. I don't know if you listened to that yeah. episode. And I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, am I a bad person? Because I don't think I would actually date, especially my best friends, like, lovers. But... If it was like super down the line in high school, I don't know. I feel like if we love each other, isn't that more important? <laughs> we're supposed to be together forever. Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're on this earth once. I mean, whatever you believe in, and I would like to live it with love and very purposefully and with the one I'm divine to be with. But I'm like, I was scared to say that because I brought that um, episode up <laughs> at my job. We talk a lot at our job. Um, <laughs> and I was like, what do y'all think? And everybody was saying the the ladder. Is it the ladder? <laughs> and I was like, well, let me just keep my opinion to myself yeah. before y'all think I'm trash out here. 
But um, Kobe, Jasmine, you don't have to worry. I'm I'm good. They can date your exes. Oh, yeah, they could date mine. I mean, because honestly, and that's actually a topic I wanted to bring up. Because honestly, whoever I date in the past, I really... I really don't care. The only thing that would be weird is um, to always see them if it was like my best best friend and the guy I was with for seven years. And so, but honestly, I have no ties because I just want to be with the one who's like my soulmate. Yeah. Because I'm so, and I want the person that I used to date to be with their soulmate. I want them to be happy because I love them so much. And that's something, like, you were basically talking about intentionally dating when you're curating who you want to be with, whether it's just a friend or if it's just your romantic part forever. And I think that's what I had to do, like, last Christmas is my ex-boyfriend, he was he would always come over on Christmas or the holidays, and it was just becoming such a normal thing. And even though I knew within my soul, soul, it's like, that's not my husband, unfortunately, because I love him so much, but um, that we couldn't do that anymore. And it wasn't until my brother was like, so, so-and-so still coming over. Are you going to be doing this until you, is he going to start keep going, coming to over the house until you're 30 and you're still like with no one because you're still tied to that person? And that's the thing that had me click and say, oh my God, like I need to, communicate with him how I feel like you can't come over anymore like I can't be that person for you anymore we can't hang out anymore unfortunately for me because I feel like I can't move on if you're still just so close yeah and I know that doesn't happen for everyone some people can be with their exes um and doesn't face them at all they can move on but for me it was such a tie that I had to literally really sit down with them, have that crying conversation. And it hurts so bad, but at the end of the day, it needed to be done because I'm doing not only myself a disservice, I'm doing him a disservice. So that was really tough. Good for you. <laughs> that, yeah. That was really it's tough. about being honest about yourself. I think like the game of desire, right? And people don't like games and relationships, but most of the game is gaming yourself. Right. It's like knowing how you show up as the best version of you and strategizing to put yourself in those circumstances and being honest about who you're not yeah. being honest about what situations you can't handle. Um, and so a lot of the gaming is, yeah, I know that if as long as I'm with my ex, I'll never actually truly be invested in finding new partnerships. And so even though it feels good for me or I enjoy it to some level, it actually is not serving my highest intention for my intimate self. So yeah. I have to cut it off, mm -hmm. you know, or even like it might feel really great for me to have a friends with benefits, but it distracts me from making more meaningful connections or mm -hmm. vice versa mm -hmm. of having a friends with benefits mm -hmm. allows me to focus more on other people because I don't feel the same desperation right. to have sex with any random person. <laughs> so a lot of the game, I think, is gaming yourself so that you can show up as the version of you that you're like, I love that person. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And intimacy has really been very big on my mind lately because it happened because I was at church one time. And I, being in a church setting for me is very intimate. And I don't like anyone to come to church with me because I'm like praising the Lord. And it's just weird. I don't know for having someone next to me that's like my love interest. And I'm here praising the Lord, crying and screaming hallelujah. But it wasn't until my best friend, Jasmine, started coming to church with me and she was praising the Lord, I was praising the Lord. And I was like, this is a different level of intimacy that I would want 
everybody to have and it's just different types of intimacy so you have an intimacy like an intimate conversation a physical intimacy a spiritual intimacy um physical like running intimacy and i just think that's so such a beautiful thing that's just been on my mind i just want to see how i can like continue to be very intimate with the different people in my life because it just feels good to be all engulfed into yes. somebody yeah I love that. <laughs> so I, I always look like look for that. And I think that's one of the strong tips that I have. Um, you were talking about making someone feel like they're they see themselves. And I feel like that's one thing that I do bring to almost everyone I date, almost to like my detriment because then they don't want to leave me alone. But it's still good, right? Yes, <laughs> you're the Oprah seducer. Yeah, yeah, I am. So I've been learning a lot from myself from um, your book, which is amazing. And what I like about it is very, it guides you. And I think it's so funny because I was thinking about this in the car. And I was like, I'm a person who really needs to be guided. Um, like my first orgasm. <laughs> like I didn't think I could orgasm because I've never orgasmed in my life until this year. And it wasn't until someone literally took their time, told me exactly what to do that I was able to do it. And I just feel like it's the same thing, like throughout this book, I know it's a weird correlation, like someone to guide you yeah. step by step so you can have that relationship that you're looking for. But um, lastly, I know we talked about all the inner work and all of this intricate Well, congratulations stuff. on your orgasm. That's oh awesome news. Girl, I'm like, what? Yeah, congrats. <laughs> Thank you. I was like, what? what? I was so happy. And then it was so easy, like, the next few times. And they didn't even have to, like, penetrate me. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I was like, what is going on? And that's another intimacy thing. And I was like, wow. Girl, no one knows this. I didn't even tell my best friends. Oh. <laughs> but, uh, but when I was thinking about how do we guide is, it's very important for some people to really be guided through different processes um but lastly i want to get into if you have like three tips like outer tips like the triangle eye lingering thing for us girls or guys to use when they're out and about trying to spot somebody yes yeah, so let me give my favorite three so one would come from ari fitz she was the flirting expert in mm -hmm. the book and Ari said that when you really know and love and accept what's great about you, you don't put anyone else above you. So if there's no more fear of approaching people because you're just like, here's another human, I'm a human, let me see what they're about. Like you approach them with curiosity, not with a need. And as long as you can do that, of uh, never like, I want this person to like me, I want this person to notice me versus what's this person about? Are they interesting to me? Can they bring value to my life? So that mm -hmm. mindset I think is really important when you go out of reframing it to let me see if people will like me to let me see who is interesting enough for me to hold an enjoyable conversation with. And a tip I can give to get into that mindset is the job perks. And so part of the book, I talk about making that job extra, that job mm -hmm. listing. Mm -hmm. But at the bottom of the job listing, it's not just who I want, who's my dream person. Mm -hmm. It's what are you going to get when you date me? Like as a company, what am I offering you? You know, yeah. two weeks vacation, yeah. uh, office with a view. But, you know, <laughs> it's not that. It would be more like I'm an Oprah. Mm -hmm. When you're around me, you're going to feel like you are a reflection of your highest self. Yeah. I am extremely spiritual. I'm not mm -hmm. all saying things you are. Yeah. I'm really spiritual. I have a great relationship with God. Mm -hmm. So when you're with me, 
if you're looking for spiritual fulfillment, I can be a great guide for you. Yeah. I mean, I'm an extrovert. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of great friends. My brother does this mm -hmm. and like he has a great network. Like you're really saying this is all the awesome things that come with me. So if before you go out, you can remind yourself of why you're an amazing person to get to know why anybody would be lucky to be a part of what you have to offer and, and to be able to experience a fraction of that. So when you do that, just prime yourself to say, mm -hmm. hey, I'm really funny mm -hmm. and I have a great sense of security and I have an amazing collection of shoes and I give great blowjobs mm -hmm. and I make really good orange chicken. Mm -hmm. Whatever it is that you're like, <laughs> I master this shit. Yeah. And if you have the privilege of getting to know me, you're going to get that in return. Remind yourself of that. I think that will change your mindset going out. The second thing is just understanding, again, the proximity factor. Nothing is going to create a bond like proximity. So if you see someone that you like, maybe you feel comfortable approaching them. And if you do, to me, approaching isn't like, I think you're attractive. Will you like me because I like you? Approaching somebody is starting with a question, opening up a dialogue, mm -hmm. you know, or making a compliment to them. Just doing mm -hmm. something to start a discussion. But other than that, proximity is important. So enter their bubble. If they are by the bar, you go by the bar. Mm -hmm. Walk by a couple times, you know, make eye contact. The more that you're around somebody, the more familiarity you can create, the higher chances you're going to have of connecting with them. Right. And it's after you have made sure that your mindset is good, you have been in proximity to people that you actually want to connect mm -hmm. with. The third thing would be to see if, can you go and make that first move? Because right. connecting with people, and I say this all the time, I am really good at approaching people. Mm -hmm. I approach people probably you know, 10, 20 times a day. Do I want to connect with most of them? No. <laughs> it's just, a, it's a skill. Yeah. And this guy in the book, one of the dating coaches, said this thing that will always stick with me. He said, approaching women is a skill, just like riding a bike. Yeah. It's something that you do and you get better at doing it. So if somebody approaches you, it just means that they're good at riding a bike. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean they're necessarily going to be a good romantic partner for you. That's good. The person who is a good romantic partner hasn't practiced that skill. Mm -hmm. So they're not not approaching you because they don't like you. They're not approaching you because they haven't practiced enough in the world and they're terrified of rejection just like you. That's so true. Whereas then for me, I don't mind rejection because it happens to me a lot. Yeah. So I'm just like, <laughs> it doesn't matter because I just, I approach and talk to people so many different times a day. Uh -huh. It doesn't always work out. And it's just a, a game of numbers. So I would say reframing it to say, okay, this person's clearly looked at me. We've had a couple of nonverbal moments. They're not coming over. Let me be the brave one because I know I have a lot to offer and let me mm -hmm. see if we can start a discussion. I love that. It's just taking a risk. And I want to start off this podcast with asking like what your aha moment was this week because I feel like every week we learn something new about ourselves we're like oh I could use this into my life and you literally said that my aha moment was basically like going to summit 21 and things like that I'm around surrounded by so many amazing women and sometimes you could feel like who am I to go approach someone to talk to them because but using that do I feel I'm interesting. Well, they be interesting to me. It's a really a good approach that I can use because I have to like build myself up. Like, no, I got soul feeling podcasts. My boobs are great. You know, yes. my afro is popping. Yes. And because um, we get so scared of rejection or what people think about us. And it's just like, it really doesn't matter if they like you or not. Can they add value to your life? You know, and that's really was my aha moments. So I'm like looking at you like, wow. So what has been your aha moment this week or this month? I already said it, so I hate repeating oh, myself, but 
because I was like, I don't want to give a fresh one for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it was that person talking about communication as like a negative thing mm-hmm. of that a lot of times we think about communicating and that being an integral part of relationships. We do really focus on the negative side. Yeah. We don't really think about how communicating positively is also important, communicating what we do like and reinforcing behavior in that way. And yeah. I talk about in the book the yuck versus yum method mm-hmm. where if you want to tell someone something's not going right, you can say like, yuck, I mm-hmm. hate Mac computers. They're so <laughs> stupid and slow. Yeah. Or I could say, yum, when you brought your PC last mm-hmm. time, it was so smooth and easy to work with. That was really cool. Mm-hmm. And you might be like, oh, maybe I'll bring my PC next time. Yeah. But I didn't have to like disrespect your <laughs> yeah. current set of technology. Mm-hmm. You know, an easy example, of course, is kissing. Of, mm-hmm. You know, yeah. yuck, you use too much tongue. It's really gross. Mm-hmm. Or yum, that time when you kissed me and like you just gave me a little bit of tongue, but not too much. It was yeah. such a tease and a turn on. So I think communication being a positive habit um, really helps us to communicate the tougher parts, the tougher, less positive parts. Yeah, I'm definitely going to take that with with me especially in my job i'm just like straightforward like oh i don't like that okay let's do it again like now i need to give them positive affirmations to be like i really like this i saw that you worked really hard i'm very grateful but or i don't know however you said it. you said it so much better than me <laughs> no but i mean i think they can be separate thoughts or yeah. similar right like mm-hmm. I, the compliment sandwich is the butt right mm-hmm. like your kissing is great, but you use too much tongue. Mm-hmm. I love it when you give me um, a little bit of teasing, but not too much. Yeah. That's when I'm trying to communicate something negative. But mm-hmm. sometimes it's just like, just the positive. Right. You know what I mean? Like, even like I said, like I could have, when you came and been like, thank mm-hmm. you so much for showing up on time. That mm-hmm. was really, really cool of you. LA is hard. You don't live here. That was really, really sweet. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Done. Yeah. I love that. Thank you so much, Shan. Um, we always ask this question and I kind of want to turn it, you could, okay, you could decide which one you want to answer. So we either ask, what's your soul care routine or how does your soul feel when you're doing what you're, what you love and what is that? I will say my soul caring routine because I just Mm -hmm. came off of like a long trip. Mm -hmm. Um, I am an ambivert and that essentially means that I need time alone in order to perform extroversion. Mm -hmm. So for this past week, I stayed with my family. I went out and like some days I was doing like five interviews. And Mm so you're constantly giving like the best of your energy and you have to like, you have very little time to recharge. And I just came home and recognized how much I just need to be left alone right now. Mm -hmm. So like my soul care routine is acknowledging that my greatness requires a recharge. And that time alone is like, face masks, it's running. Mm-hmm. Running is such a really, really big thing for me. I hate doing it, but whenever I'm doing it, I have my best ideas and I, mm-hmm. I, it's really great. Um, my soul care routine also too is focusing, like, even when we prayed, for example, mm-hmm. one of my qualms with praying mm-hmm. is that people just treat it like a minute of wishing, mm-hmm. like it's like a wish factory versus yeah, yeah. taking time just to be grateful mm-hmm. and to sit in gratitude and just say, this is awesome, this is a great day. So I think for me to spending less time on focusing what I want mm-hmm. and more time being grateful for what I have. Mm-hmm. And that's like a note to self because I, mm-hmm. I don't do that enough. Yeah. This is saying that you're like an ambivert and things like that. And I know you're super busy all the time. And I just really want to say like, you're amazing. Like, I know you worked so hard through all these years and you really helped us the people viewing along the way so i'm very grateful you didn't stop that you kept going 
And I'm grateful that you are like you hone in on the knowledge and that you really take your time and you really care about, you know, everything in your industry. So it's just like I really appreciate all the effort you put into what you do thank you yeah yes thank you that means the world i think that that's a really cool thing because like when i mm -hmm. was your age i was definitely at a super low point in life mm -hmm. and knowing that i pushed through that like, i appreciate like i'm 34 so i'm kind of like an mm -hmm. older head in this space and i love that because i meet so many people who are like i just want to be where you are or mm -hmm. i am so disconnected in my life i don't know what my purpose is i don't know this i don't know that and then i'm like how old are you mm -hmm. like i'm 22 and i'm like oh if i was 22 with <laughs> yeah. the recognition that you have mm. even just recognizing that there's so much more that i want for myself is important yeah. because we spend so much time in our youth glossing over thinking about the important stuff and mm. just sitting in the excuse of youthfulness yeah. but so if you are 21 or 27 mm -hmm. and you're listening to this podcast you are ahead of the game you are ahead of me mm. um and i am like really really in awe and i'm grateful to be around such like an empowered self-aware generation yeah. led by you led by the work <laughs> that you do um and so yeah i'm in awe of you i'm in awe of all your listeners and i'm grateful for this opportunity oh thank you oh one more question with you being so busy and so amazing how do you balance being so busy so into your work but being also able to not do anything like to really relax because i'm really struggling with that like i wanted to come to la and i did want to interview you of course and just kind of chill after summit 21 and like regroup myself but then i was like oh i need to make this post i need to make sure i interview shan you know i want to do this i need to do that like i i just can't stop <laughs> and so i'm trying to ask like how can i be okay with not doing anything i think that's great when you feel mm -hmm. motivated like there are days where i just feel really motivated mm -hmm. and i have so much that i want to do i just do it on those days yeah. The worst is the days where I don't really want to do anything, but I think I should. Mm. And I actually end up producing subpar work or being on my phone for most of the day um, procrastinating. Yeah. Those are the days that's like, you really should just take the break. Mm -hmm. Like whatever two hours of average work that you did squeeze through this eight hour day of forcing yourself, you would have been better off and better tomorrow mm -hmm. just by breaking today. Yeah. So I think it's just really about being honest with your mood and your vibe that day. So on days where you feel like exactly what you said, girl, work. Don't feel guilty for it. Because the tomorrow, you may not feel that same energy or next week or next mm -hmm. month. Like You're going to ebb and flow through those times. And if you feel the burst to do, do. But when you don't feel like it, don't. And mm -hmm. you're going to be so much better as a creative and as a content producer um, honoring what you actually need in that day. That's a really good answer. I wasn't expecting that. Like I expected a good answer, but I wasn't expecting that answer. That's so good. I'm definitely going to take that. So, Soulmates, you know that we always end the podcast with a positive affirmation because, you know, words create the world around us. So, Shan, what is your positive affirmation for today? Give me yours first and I'll have time to think. Okay, I'm <laughs> going to say I am grateful to be in your presence and I am light. And my steps are ordered. I have so many. Okay. <laughs> I am productive i have the space and time to connect with others and still get done what i need to mm. 
I love that so much. And guys, if y'all do not get the game of desire, like the way it's written, the experiments, the love that's put into this book, go get it right now. Literally, I read it on Audible. So you can use your free credit. Yes, it's free. If you go yeah. to audible.com slash shambooty, preferably mm-hmm. too, if you sign up through that. I mean, you can sign up anywhere, yeah. but then I get the credit for it. Yes. Um, you will get the book. You get a one book trial, one month free on Audible, plus you get two Audible originals. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say after the month. Okay. So you can get your free book, leave, okay. and that's that. Our soulmates love free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Audible is actually amazing. I'm not, like, it's not sponsored or anything. I literally listen to Audible all the time. Or I want to also get the book, too, so I see them right here. I want you to sign one. But, um... Because I feel like it's, it's like a workbook and I need to highlight. So where can they get it in stores? Yeah, it's available everywhere the books are sold. Okay, y'all better go out and get it. Support our girl, Jan, our soulmate. And where else could they find you? I mean, I know where to find you, but where else could they find you? At anywhere Shan Booty, but mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I think you get one wish with people. My mm-hmm. one wish would be the book. And if through the book you decide to follow me afterwards, great. But before you do that, I think the book is most important. Yes, go get the book right now. Is it like top seller already? Yes, yes. So congratulations. Thank you. Okay, girl, she's out here doing her thing. Yeah, you got to do it for yourself, man. That's probably the biggest lesson I've learned through this publishing process. Mm-hmm. My first book came out with a really small imprint. This one was the, with a very big publisher. Mm-hmm. Some differences, but the one thing that was consistent is nobody's going to care about your work the way that you do. Mm-hmm. That is so true. She just left with us with a whole word. And make sure you follow in and following Soul Filling Podcast everywhere. That's S-O-U-L space F-I-L-L-I-N-G. If you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and write something a little soulful and sweet so everyone can see how many Soul Filling Podcast is. Um, that's it. That's a wrap. I love you guys so much. Until next time. And Jasmine and Kobe will be back. I miss them so much. <laughs> Bye. Bye.